Welcome to season eight of Retrain Your Brain. And this season is going to be all about thriving. I'm going to be digging into my positive psychology toolkit and giving you the exercises to move from I'm fine to I'm flourishing. Here's some tips to elevate our conversations. In a world that's ever more connected online, we may well be a bit more disconnected in real life. And yet, a simple conversation is one of the easiest ways to build a much needed rapport, giving our emotional health a boost, even if it's fleetingly, and even where you don't want to get into something deeply. And there are a few ways of keeping that little interaction positive overall. So give these a go. Number one. Decide if you actually do want to converse, and it is okay if you'd rather not. You don't have to give more than you choose to give to people. So try the following. In order to politely continue a conversation, give an active positive response. Oh, that's so interesting. Why did you do that? How did you do that? What did you do? Or to close a conversation, give a passive positive response. Oh, that's so interesting. Thanks for sharing. The active positive response gives us a way of actually engaging a bit more, but the positive but passive response closes the conversation by bringing it down. Whatever you do, however, try to avoid an active destructive response, such as, that's a really stupid question, why did you ask that? Unless you're trying to call someone out, in which case something more along the lines of, what did you mean by that, can be a non-confrontational approach that gets others a bit more self-aware. And a passive destructive response, just like a shrug or just ignoring the question, can actually be very damaging if your aim is to have a polite end to that particular moment. One of the saddest pieces of research in my PhD was actually learning that it was unpleasant interactions that contributed to feelings of burnout in customer facing professionals. And so by this, I am talking about those moments of rapport that we could or maybe decide not to build. And one of the suggestions was actually depersonalizing the job. So for example, a driver seeing a passenger as pickup number four or a nurse seeing a patient as the broken leg in bed five. And the problem with this is, Whilst it may well prevent emotional exhaustion because it doesn't allow for that moment of personal either happiness or unhappiness, a lot of client-facing professionals disagreed. The reason why they entered the profession was about the opportunity to interact as much as being able to do the job itself. So again, we can see that interaction, especially when handled well, is one of those little boosts to our well-being that we could be enjoying. Here's another thing we can try with our loved ones, as well as with other people. There are four levels of listening. Hearing, and this is when we're thinking about something else and very little goes in. Listening, where we can probably repeat a few words, but not necessarily understand the true meaning of what was conveyed. Active listening, where we interact with the information and can take in a bit more. And deep listening. And deep listening is a lot like listening between the lines. And we may get a very full sense of what's going on. And this level is usually reserved for professionals such as coaches or teachers or the medical and legal professions. But with those four levels, there are also some mistakes that we make when listening. So try to avoid these. Number one, rehearsing. 
And that is rehearsing what you're going to say rather than listening. So in this case, try to listen and see if you can springboard off where that person has stopped rather than thinking about your response very early on and actually missing where their story is going. Number two, evaluating, which is listening only to critique the speaker. And this can include fault finding, which is listening in order to catch the speaker out. Ask yourself, why am I needing to be so critical? And especially if this is a relationship with a loved one, ask yourself what that might be doing to the relationship. And if you're only spending time with that person to wind them up, is that really the best use of your energies? Number three, derailing. And that is when you make the conversation about you, either by topping their experience with your own or making a big deal about it if you were in that situation or simply taking a what about me approach. And again, this might require some soul searching to think about why you need that validation in someone else's experience, as well as why you're reluctant to let others have their moment. So how do we practice active listening? Well, this is where you interact with what's being said by asking open questions, very much like the active positive response. You might also actively listen by writing things down or even paraphrasing something back to the speaker to make sure you've understood what they've just said. If you're asking questions actively, ask open questions, those that begin with who, what, where, why, when, how because those questions elicit more detail than closed questions, which often only need a one word answer, such as, are you well, which is a closed question versus an open question, how are you? And also, if you're not convinced when it comes to thinking about your listening behaviours, think about how you feel if somebody else does any of those things, such as rehearse, evaluate, derail you, but also how you feel when somebody practices active listening by asking you more. Another conversation error is, oh, sorry, did the middle of my sentence interrupt the start of yours? And that's actually a favourite quote on a mug that I bought to remind myself not to get so enthusiastic that I butt into other people's conversations before they finish. And one thing I notice in my training sessions is that if somebody asks me a question and they tail off before they finished it, I am usually proved right when I ask them, do you live with someone who talks a lot at home? And this is something that I am guilty of. It's actually a little bit rude when my excitement is so over the top that I actually intrude on the rest of my husband's sentence before he's finished speaking. But worse still, if someone gets so used to being interrupted, they can even learn not to finish their sentences. And certainly, maybe that's not going to be a problem for you because you like butting into them anyway. But what about them when they're given a platform to speak? Another tip, if you didn't hear something correctly, ask. And yes, as a teacher, I struggle with mispronunciation of names and I am ashamed of it. But I will ask more than three times if I have to. I will talk about my embarrassment in having to do so, and then I will often write it down phonetically so I remember it. Getting someone's name right is just respectful. Similarly, if you've misheard a question, ask for it to be repeated. And if you're still unsure, ask, have I got this right? And paraphrase what you think you heard. Conversation is so much more effective if you're not laboring under a misapprehension. 
Sometimes, and this is my last point, it is okay to have nothing to say. And I'm one of those people, perhaps you are, that struggles with silence. So I will often have to say, I don't think there's anything I can say to that or similar if I have no response. And words to this effect, such as I have no words, will also go some way to telling the speaker that you've heard them and you're processing it. And actually, sometimes silence is a lovely way to hold a moment of connection. I am reminded of one of the best and most daring moments in a film that I've seen in a long time. And this is the film, same kind of different as me. And there's one scene that's approximately one minute of pure silence at a really significant moment in the life of one of the characters. And even now, reflecting on it, I'm still moved by the sheer power and connection, not just between the characters, which is a huge testament to the actors, but even myself as a viewer. So whether over this last year we've preferred a respectable social distance or are straining at the mask to invade space with hands and face, social interaction can be very good for our health. So if we're going to have it, make the best of each moment. And that's all we have time for. But for more positive psychology exercises, check out my YouTube channel, Dr. Audrey Tang Tools to Drive. Visit my website, www.draudreyt.com, where you can also purchase copies of my books. Or alternatively, join me on NLive Radio, Tuesdays, 9pm, in the Wellbeing Lounge.